and welcome. Uh, welcome to those of you online as well. For those of you who don't know, I'm Charlie. I'm one of the pastors here at SDBC, and it is certainly my privilege and honour uh, to bring you God's Word this morning. So we're continuing our series on Holy Spirit, who He is and what He does. And uh, I think it's important that as we move through this series, we keep reflecting on the things that we've already uh, acknowledged as in God's Word and those things that we have learnt so that we build on those foundations. So as we look back over the previous weeks, uh, we see from John 14, 15 to 27, that Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is our helper. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And Holy Spirit is the seal of all believers. He comes upon each and every person who calls upon Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And we followed that with lessons from the end of John 15 and uh, John 16, 5 to 15. And where we, when we read those passages of Scripture, we see that, again, Holy Spirit is present with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Uh, we see that he bears witness about Jesus, about Christ. He proves, um, sorry, reproves the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, and uh, he guides us into truth. And Holy Spirit's role and task and job is to always glorify Christ. Everything he does will point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week, I spoke beginning with uh, our reading for the day, which was John 7, 37 to 44. And then we worked through a number of other passages. And as we did that, we saw that based on those scriptures, true believers are baptised in the Spirit at their time of conversion. And when Holy Spirit first came, the terms baptised in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit were used interchangeably for the same event. And that's clearly evident in these passages here. Matthew 3.11 and Luke 3.16. <coughs> Uh, John the Baptist speaking about Jesus baptising his followers with Holy Spirits. Act 1.5 uh, is Jesus emphasising that same event and what is going to happen in a few days' time. And Acts 2 is the passage that the disciples actually experienced that event and they were filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. Each and every believer is baptised by the one spirit, into the church. And this occurs on the day we repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Filling of the Spirit is the ongoing work of Holy Spirit in our lives as we submit more and more to God, allowing ourselves to come under Holy Spirit's total control. We'll never attain that this side of eternity, but that's what we should be doing, submitting more and more to the power of Holy Spirit and being under his control and influence. And I think <clears throat> there's so many of us who question our faith, there's so many of us who have doubts. And so we need to know, even for ourselves, what is the evidence of Holy Spirit in our lives? Let's pause and pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that it teaches us everything that we need to know. And Lord, I just pray this morning. For everyone who can hear my voice, that Lord, you'll work through me. That this will be a word that changes someone's life. That this will help draw people closer to you. And that your name will be honoured and glorified as a result. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting when you Google 
some of these questions. And it's somewhat alarming um, for some of the stuff that comes up. And uh, people have the ability to put words into their searches so that they can ensure that their answer is going to be at the very top of certain searches. And so when looking at this topic, there are many who say that each and every believer must speak in tongues. They're usually the first ones that are listed. They must speak in tongues in order to prove or to show or to have evidence that they have received Holy Spirit. Now, I'm hoping that last week's message put that to bed for all of us. And if you weren't here for last week, please listen to that message and ask any questions that you may have um, because I don't believe that that is the case. And I think the scriptures that we looked at last week made that quite clear as well. The tongues so many manifest today publicly are nothing like the other languages that that 120 or a portion of that 120 spoke on the day of Pentecost. They spoke in other languages, languages they had not learned, but languages that those who were listening could hear and understand. Languages that again proclaimed the glory of God. It was a work of Holy Spirit that pointed to the work of God and Jesus. So much of what we hear today, so much of what is called a tongue of God is just this mindless drivel and babble. It doesn't glorify anyone or anything except the person who is doing it. And I actually found an organisation who quoted this verse uh, in defence of the things we don't understand. I don't want to put Pastor Darrell on the spot, but I'm always blown away. Do you know what this verse is about? Sorry, judgment. Yeah. yeah, so this verse is actually about judgment. And this is being spoken to Israel and the Chaldeans are going to come in and take them and cart them off to their own country. So for the Israelites, they are going to hear the message of God from a foreign people. And until they repent, they won't go back to their land. And they use this to justify speaking in tongues in their organisation. I was just totally blown away. And again, Pastor Davils impressed me. Daryl's impressed me because he knew exactly what it was about. So first and foremost, a huge word of caution. We want to encourage you to look into things, to dig deeper, to try and understand what God is saying. But please be very, very careful with what you see online. Be very, very careful with what is preached to you from the front. Be very, very careful with what people say to you. Open your Bibles. Make sure what they're saying lines up with what Scripture says. Make sure that it doesn't in any way distort what this word says. This is the ultimate authority. There is nothing else. We hang off what God's word says. So in our reading today, we have this command to not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with Holy Spirit. And as I said last week, being filled with the Spirit is to be totally engaged with him, to be under his influence, to be swayed by his power. And when we do that, when we submit ourselves fully to Holy Spirit and his will and power in our lives, then we have this transformed life. And this is a given. As we think about this, I want you to think about who you were before you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, for one, I mean, I never expected to be standing on a stage proclaiming God's message to a group of people. That was the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, I possibly never thought of it at all. But I have no doubt that I've told you before that I felt the world owed me. I felt that, you know, I hadn't received what I justly and rightly deserved in life. And so I wanted more. And I believe the world should actually give that to me. 
But then when I became serious about my faith, there's one thing that I realised when I reflected on who God is, when I reflected on how I had treated him, how I ignored him, how I hadn't acknowledged him at all, then the only thing that I truly deserved was death and judgement. It's a tough call. But when we think about Jesus, Jesus was asked, what are the two most important commands? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Love your neighbour as yourself. I didn't do either of those. I couldn't have cared less. And with only those two commands as judgment upon myself, I should be rightly judged and cast into hell. But what did God do? He didn't give me what I deserved. He gave me something that could be called exactly the opposite. He made me and he made us. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellence of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. Did he do that for you? Because he called me from darkness into marvellous light. It really was a night and day transformation. It was totally different. My life is no longer the same. He calls me part of his royal priesthood. And that's not just because I'm standing on this stage. Every Christian believer is part of the royal priesthood. His holy nation. And he says, I, we are his very own possession. Can, can you just get your head around that? This all-powerful, this almighty God who created everything that we see, who sustains life itself, he says that you are mine, I want you as mine, you are my possession. How can he possibly be pleased to do that? It's incredible. And yet he does. And what's our response? I believe the old life I once had is now dead. I dig it up every now and then, which is my fault, not anyone else's. But I've put to death my old self. I don't want it anymore. And as much as I make the mistakes and I still sin and sometimes dig that old self up, I don't want that life. I want to live for Jesus and I have this desire to follow him. And you know what? My desire to follow him is an outcome that I cannot achieve on my own. And it's Holy Spirit who comes along and gives me that desire to continue to pursue God, even in the most difficult times. And so each and every day I'm prompted by Holy Spirit. I'm reminded by him to choose to follow Jesus, to put to death my old self once again. And not just the things that are mentioned here. The sexual immorality, the impurity, the passion, the evil desires, the covetousness. It's also the way I think. Those physical and mental things that are damaging to my relationship with God. And I want to take every thought captive. I don't want to have those thoughts that are counter to what God would have me to do. And... and there's nothing within myself that would cause that desire. 
That's a desire of Holy Spirit to make me holy, to sanctify me, to have me set aside each and every day. And he does that for each of us each and every day. The rest of the reading that we have today speaks of the type of life that we should be living. Look at what it says. We will address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So at our meeting tomorrow, I'll be waiting for Pastor Daryl to come up and start singing to me. Um, I does say making melody to the Lord, though, because um, we all can't sing, but when we sing to the Lord, it's a beautiful thing to him. And I, I've gathered with people, I've got to be honest, some people I've gathered with are terrible singers. Terrible. But they sing with all their heart and they worship the Lord. And all I can think of is, God, go on. Bless you, brother. Bless you, sister, for singing to me. And he waits in expectation for each and every one of us to sing. Isn't that wonderful? And so we're called to do this. And I'm going to tell you, I can't think of any other situation that I would happy be in where I gather with a whole heap of strangers and we start singing. That is just weird. And yet here we are, we gather here. And the thing I miss being a pastor is that I very rarely get to engage with this with my wife. My wife's usually off doing kids' church and I'm here doing my thing. And so the only time we get to do it is if we go away somewhere or we go to the Baptist convention. I've got to tell you, a lot of those pastors there can't sing for nuts. But man alive, if you were a part of that time, you would be blown away with how loud they sing and you would be blown away by the very presence of God because we're united in purpose in singing worship to him. And it's a powerful thing. And that's why we need to do it. It's, there's just something that I, about singing with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's got a knock-on effect. I love singing to God. Um, I've been one of those people who uh, has created great embarrassment for myself and my kids because I've been singing at the top of, the lung, of my lungs in the car some awesome song that is on uh, our, our stereo that uh, is worshipping God. And there's just some songs I engage with. And there's times that uh, I'm in a deep, dark place and I sing to God in, in the middle of those hardships and struggles or I'm in the middle of a great time of joy and celebration and I find myself singing to God in that situation. And in both occasions, I find tears pouring down my face at times and I'm just engaging with God. I'm caught up in worshipping him even as I drive. And you know what? That is not normal. That is not what the world would do. But it's normal for us as Christians because we're told that's exactly what someone who follows the Lord Jesus Christ does. And we give thanks always. Those of you who spend any time with me whatsoever know that I love giving thanks to God. I start every prayer meeting with, let's give thanks to God. I start every meeting I have with, let's talk about some good news stories, things that God has done, so that we can feed those prayers of thanks. The reason I do that is so that you can see God moving in your life. You can see that God is real. And again, that's a work of Holy Spirit. And when you first try and do it, it's really, really difficult. I've challenged some young adults when I've ministered to them. And I said, before you go to sleep at night, think of five good things that God has done. And the first few days, it's like crickets in the background because they can't think of anything. But as you identify things, it becomes easier and easier. And you can see God's hand in your every day. And so you start giving him thanks. So much of what happens, happens because of God's leading and we just miss it so many times. He answers our prayers, he intervenes, and he guides for us. I was very privileged to uh, spend some time speaking with a guy 
called Lachlan this week. We had had a Skype meeting with him um, for the SENT conference, which is a young adults conference coming up in July. Every young adult should be there. I don't care. You should be there. It's just going to be an awesome time and I'm really bummed I can't be there. And this guy, Nathan, had a bit of a revelation. He was praying one day to God and, and Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you know, it's the power of the gospel message. And he opened his word and he saw that these people were going about doing miracles as they proclaimed the gospel. And he thought, well, why not today? Anyone got a reason why not today? I don't. And, and so this guy told us about one particular day. He, he approached this couple on the beach after he'd been surfing. Uh, he was a surfer and, and he approaches this couple and he looked at the guy and he said, hey, he said, man, do you like surfing? He goes, yeah, I do, but I can't surf. I've busted my shoulder. I'm waiting for some results from the doctors. And, and so he said, look, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe that this has happened for no reason. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I pray for you? And uh, the guy said, yeah, sure, I'm up for anything. He said, okay. Now, because the power is in the gospel message, this guy starts praying. He doesn't pray for healing straight away. He says, Lord, I know that you love these two, the guy and his girlfriend. I know you love them, Lord. I know you want them into your kingdom. I know that you've sent Jesus to die for them and you have a plan and a purpose for their life. Please heal his shoulder, Lord. End of story. And so he says to the guy, he says, man, how's your shoulder? And he goes, well, I can't, I can't do that. And he goes, I know what you did. It's that TV show thing, isn't it? It's like a mind control thing. You've just, and he goes, no, man, honestly, this is Jesus. This is what he does. And he didn't get to see those guys come to faith. He said, that's not his role or job. He's to proclaim the gospel and move on. God does the rest. And it's a miracle. And he just treats it like the everyday now. This same guy, this is, a, I shouldn't go here, but anyway, uh, he gave me a stat which just blew my mind. In the latest um, statistics that they got in Australia, two and a half million people in Australia, and they said 40 odd percent are Christians. He didn't believe that. And so he started praying. He said, Lord, if we have 68,000 committed Christians, 68,000 committed Christians, tell every tell one person every day about Jesus, we will have told everyone in Australia about Jesus in 12 months. Isn't that amazing? Imagine if we all committed to tell one person every day about Jesus, regardless of the consequences, one person every day about Jesus. Imagine how that would transform our area. That's a work of Holy Spirit too, giving us boldness to do such things. Even in our present situation with Winnie, I see God's hand. It's tough. But she's done some things that would be disturbing for people. And yet all those people she's encountered have been polite, have been understanding, have been helpful. That's the hand of God. That's the way I interpret it anyway. And he's answering our prayers as we pray for him to be a part of this situation. And I'm so thankful that there hasn't been one word of anger. And um, I see that as God's favour. We are also asked to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a call to willing service one to another. It comes from a position of our respect and love for Jesus and everything that he did for us. He's called us into his body. His body is the church and he wants us to serve each other willingly. And we're often 
prompted to do things for each other. We're often prompted to intercede for someone in the church. We may not have seen them for a while, but God prompts us to pray for them. And he prompts us to provide Bible passages to them. Who's been reading the Bible and suddenly you go, man, I think, I think this would be really good for so-and-so? And then, you know, you send off the message. My messages are always like, this may or may not be applicable. So if it is, please take it on board. If it's not, just ignore it. But I think God told me to send you this. And the amount of times people have come back and said, man, I so needed to hear that. It's a confirmation of a word that God had given me. And so that is a prompting of Holy Spirit as well. We are called to build each other up. Could you imagine if every one of us submitted to one another, served each other the way that this says that we should? I think we would end up walking in a manner worthy of the call. I think we'd be seen as humble and gentle and we'd be patient with each other. We would bear with one another and we'd be eager to maintain unity. We would want to be united. And let's face it, there's some pretty weird people in this church. I'm one of them. But we need each and every person. God has made us the way we are for the season that we're in. And you know what? Again, look around you. Could you imagine another social situation where you'd be gathered with these people? We don't all play sport. We don't all enjoy the same social situations. But we're here because we're the body of Christ. And he tells us there's a reason and purpose for each one of us. And when we talk about unity, we're getting there. I think about where we were when I first arrived and, oh my goodness, and things are just so much better. And we're seeing unity grow. We're seeing people genuinely care for each other. We're seeing this begin snowball effect. And when each and every one of us are concerned for the well-being of the others around us, regardless of whether they're our best friends or not, when we're eager to love them, when we're eager to maintain unity... It's going to be church changing. It's going to be community changing. It's going to be world changing. And we're getting there. Don't give up. But again, it's a work of the Spirit. There's going to be people who you really don't like. And you've got to pray for them. And you've got to pray blessing upon them. And again, Holy Spirit doesn't work with passive subjects. You can't sit back and say, hit me with this, Lord. If you call yourself a Christian, this transformed life should be clearly evident. And at the very least, you should desire it. You should want it. And as we continue to grow, to be more controlled by Holy Spirit, there will be ongoing spiritual growth. When we repent and submit to Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, Holy Spirit indwells us. We're baptised by him. When we make that first commitment and our spiritual growth begins, there may be things that happen immediately, things that are changed where you go, wow, There's no way I could do that myself. This must be God. And I believe he does that for some people. He did it for me. And there's others who who don't see that immediately. But for all of us, each and every believer, our spiritual journey begins and there's a growth that is required. 
And we're told the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Note first and foremost, this is fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits. You don't get to pick and choose which one you want. Each and every one of these things should be manifested in your life in an increasing way. We're going to talk about this more in a few weeks, but so I won't go into it today. But this week, I had to fill out a... a, a um, reference for someone going to Bible college and uh, they said how is the fruit of the spirit displayed in this person I was like "Ooh, that could be a bit hard and so I wrote all of them down and I thought about this person I prayed about it and I went oh yeah his love man and I wrote these things down I went his joy wrote it down his peace and and I finished writing out this guy's reference and I went man I wish I was like him and then the next question was, when he's under persecution, when he's in suffering anxiety, when he's suffering struggles, how's the fruit of the Spirit manifested? And I went, whoa, because he's been through some stuff. And it wasn't difficult. I was like, man, I need to be like this guy. It was so amazing to have that exercise. But if you say you're a believer, then Holy Spirit dwells in you. And if that's the case... The fruit of the Spirit is growing in you. And there should be this desire for more. This desire to submit to Holy Spirit more. Even in trials, you continue to produce this fruit. Because he lives in you, you have a hope, you have a joy, you have a peace which is incomprehensible for those who do not follow Jesus. But it should be natural and normal for those of the faith. We are no longer being led by the world. We are no longer swayed by their powers and influence. We've repented and submitted to Jesus. And our values are different. Our worldview is different. And we are led by Holy Spirit. When we look at Galatians 5, we're taught that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so you can't have both. And Paul says, well, I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. When our desire is to live according to the will of God, which should be growing more and more in our lives, then we will not want to live according to the world. And we will walk in the Spirit. And it's not an easy task. No one will be perfect this side of eternity. No one will get it right 100%. And it's a struggle. And that's why we can thank God, because he knows. And because he knew, he sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit. And he sent the helper in Jesus' name. And he's going to teach us all things. And he's going to bring remembrance to remembrance those things that we need to know. For those of you who are true believers, you could mark a time when you're reading God's word and a passage just jumps out at you. A verse just jumps out and it's like God's just whispering it in your ear. That's Holy Spirit. That's him instructing you or giving you a particular verse that you needed at that time. I remember not so long ago, I was reading the Gospels. I don't know how many times I would have read the Gospels. I read them regularly. And I'm just reading the Gospels. And this really bizarre thought came to me, which is true nonetheless. This was written for you. And it was a powerful time. I just sat in that for so long that 
God's word, this, this gospel I was reading was written for me. And again, that's a revelation of Holy Spirit. Not just that I was like, yeah, Bible's been written for me. It was written for Charlie. This word was mine. And Holy Spirit made that reveal to me. And he does things like that all the time. There have been times too when the situations I've been facing have been too much to handle and I know so many of you have been in similar situations. They're too big to get your head around and you want to pray. You want God to intervene. You want him to do something, but what do you pray? You're just so caught up in this sorrow and grief and anxiety and pain or just the sheer complexity of the situation or what's weighing in upon you and, and you've got no words, nothing. But in the midst of that, something happens. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When I've really wanted to engage with God and haven't been able to, sometimes I just bow, sometimes I kneel on the floor. And yes, sometimes I've just groaned. I haven't had the words. But many times I've just muttered over and over, Oh God, oh God. And something happens. It's like God knows what I need. Funny that, eh? I don't even have to ask. And in the midst of that time, I sense comfort. I sense his presence. I sense his love. And so often, someone knocks on the front door. A messenger from God sent by him to be a comfort as well, to share the burden, to take the load. That's God intervening. That's a work of Holy Spirit. God is moving. God is answering the prayers that I could not even pray. Have you experienced that? Maybe not the person coming to the door, but have you experienced his comfort and his love and his presence? When we talk about the presence of God in our lives, there's no way to explain it to someone who hasn't experienced it. There's no way I could convince a non-believer that they should do this because of Holy Spirit living in me and, and his presence and his closeness and, and that he's my companion in all my troubles, all my joy, in all things. They just don't get it. But it's a powerful thing. And, and I just love that I have Holy Spirit. But I can ignore him and his promptings as well. Holy Spirit wants us to do the right thing. He wants us to avoid sin. He wants us to grow in faith. He doesn't want us to head down the wrong path. And when we do, he, he convicts us. He speaks to us. He gives us opportunity to turn back to God and confess that thing and follow the right path. But we can still choose to reject and not listen to that voice. And our hearts become hard and harder the more we do that. And our ability to hear and discern the voice of Holy Spirit, his promptings and guidance become more and more difficult. When we're not listening to him, 
we're listening to the world and we move further and further away from where we should be. So where are you today? Are you aware of Holy Spirit in your life right now? And if you're not aware of Holy Spirit in your life right now, have you been aware of Holy Spirit in your life? And if you have been aware of Holy Spirit in your life and you're not aware of Holy Spirit in your life, do you miss that? Because you can't miss something that you didn't have. There was this guy called John the Baptist. He was a man filled with Holy Spirit in the womb. He was the one who proclaimed the coming promised Messiah. His cousin, Jesus Christ. And I think John was so incredibly faithful. And he gets thrown in prison and... He sends his followers, his disciples to Jesus and says, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? John had his doubts. He was the one who pointed to Jesus and said, behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And yet at this time, he had his doubts. It's okay to doubt. But God's calling you back. He wants you to be with him. John asked this question of Jesus. And in a way, Jesus didn't really defend it. He didn't really answer it. And he said to the disciples, he said, go and tell John what you see. Go tell John what you hear. And that must have been enough for John. If you have previously experienced the Holy Spirit, if you've previously experienced what I've spoken about before, if you're feeling dry now, if you're feeling left out or deserted, I want you to think back to the first day when you repented and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Was that a real experience? And if that was a real experience, I've got news for you. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He's waiting with arms outstretched. He wants to welcome you back. He wants you to grow in faith and love for him and with him. And I can comfortably stand here and say each and every one of us need to submit ourselves afresh to God today. Let's commit ourselves to him, to follow him as we should, to be obedient to his call on our lives and to live in his presence and power. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that our walk with you is not over. I thank you that it's an ongoing journey. I thank you that you refresh and renew us each and every day. And I thank you, Lord, that you knew we wouldn't be able to do this on our own. So you gave us Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that there are signs in our own lives, in our own walk, in our own minds, Lord, that testify to us that Holy Spirit is present with us. And so, Lord, I pray by power of Holy Spirit this morning that you will just move amongst us. Lord, there's people who need to repent. There's people who need to return to you. There's people who need to submit more fully to you. And I pray that by power of Holy Spirit, you'll do your work this morning and allow that to happen. But, Father, for each and every one of us, I pray you'll go with us and before us. I pray that you'll make your face shine upon us. I pray that you'll give us your peace in the midst of whatever is going on. I pray that we'll have a confidence in you. And I pray, Lord that tomorrow we'll be closer to you than we are today. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless one and all. I hope you have a great week. Please stay for a cup of tea or coffee. Get to know someone you don't know so well. If you wish to have prayer, please come to the front. More than happy to pray for you. And uh, 